Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm Boar. And I'm Jess. And we are going to be sharing with you all the things that we've been doing lately and all the media we've been consuming lately and uh, talking about the latest happenings in the nerd world. Start. Lots, lots and lots of media has been around to consume lately, I feel like. Yeah, uh, there, it's, been, it's been intense, guys. It's been... Uh, extremely it's hard to keep overloading. up with. Oh yeah, overloading for sure. Um, I've been to the theater lately more often than than I have in a really oh long time. I've been there like twice. What have you seen? Yeah, uh, same. Logan and Kong, but Kong, I had a whole. You know, yeah, we did a whole episode. We about did a that. whole thing on that. <laughs> so if you're interested in how I feel about Kong, I loved it. Go <laughs> wa- listen to that episode. <laughs> how about you, Jess? Uh, I also saw Logan, um, belatedly, um, and then Sailor Moon R the movie was in theaters, so I saw that, and then there's Is that like some Sailor Moon pirate movie? (laughs) Sailor Moon R! Well, you know, you know how they like the gimmicks and the themed episodes? Uh, uh, No, but it was from, they've given like all of their series letters names, Uh, so R was series two, and then this was the the movie that went along with it. You'll never get me booty, tuxedo mask! (laughs) Moon TR magic! (laughs) 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 Wow. It was dubbed. I ended up seeing the dubbed one, so you know. Clearly, we should be doing the dub. Oh, that's that's oh, awesome. And Lego Batman too. Yeah, that's what I, that was the one I was forgetting. And none of us have seen Power Rangers, right? No. No. I never was really into Power Rangers, um, mainly because it was a thing that my mom said I wasn't allowed to watch, um, and she would never let us watch it in the house, and she was home all the time. So I don't really have a huge affinity for. Yeah, the original Power Rangers implied violence was uh, was pretty extreme and could have corrupted you. She didn't like violence really in any. I don't think form. they ever connected with almost any of their punches or blasts or anything. <laughs> the, uh, I remember lots of backflipping with near punches. I remember that being a concern yeah. though at the time that like it was the first. Yeah, I mean, I, to be fair, I don't know that she ever watched an episode to like screen it to be like, yes, this is too much violence for my children. I, I feel think like she just 
felt that there would be, so she wouldn't risk it. I feel like there were some cases where like some little kids like killed each other and they were like, oh, it's because of the Power Rangers. Do you remember those those stories? I mean, who even knows what's true? Like, oh, I saw I, I saw Power Rangers and I punched my brother and killed him. You know, like a, there was something like that. And I just remember, I remember back then I was pretty young rolling my eyes at it because that was ridiculous because i had actually seen the show i hit him in the head with the rock and he died who knew <laughs> <laughs> yeah i the the reviews are in from other members of nerdy show collectively i've been seeing really generally positive reviews people well you know i, I want to say that the people that within the nerdy show crew that have watched it are super into that genre of of yeah, Sentai. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, okay, that's the word I was looking for. They're super <laughs> into Super Sentai. <laughs> that's true, but if I, I actually think that's a fair barometer because this movie does not look like Sentai at all. I don't know. It kind of does. I mean, they might not have juice locks, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point we re- we really need to do that. Bore and Cap get introduced to various Sentai. Okay, well, for some background for for the casual listener, there's a um, common writer is a whole subject in and of itself. But there's members of the Nerdy Show family who are super into it, super like, into common like, writer. Like wow, like they buy everything, every single little toy and that you could imagine. And it's fascinating because common writer is batshit crazy. Uh-huh. And one one evening we went over there and had Archaeus show us around the the wall of common writer stuff. And at the time the the new poop from Common Rider was a series where uh, you have fruit and vegetable themed padlocks, padlocks <laughs> that uh, you unlock their power and with and a with a blade that slices the fruit lock right and and then it unlocks the power of citrus <laughs> or, or or nuts or whatever and you hear like the sound of a of a juice bubbling <laughs> and, and there was legitimately a a belt that created a smoothie with them or something. Remember there was like, you put two of them in there and then like it combines the power (laughs) and some sort of a belt smoothie. So Brandon doesn't listen to the the show after he records things. So that's an important factor in this because Bor and I have had this experience and we really have been wanting for literal years at this point to blindly lead Brandon into experiencing all this and film or record that. Yeah. So uh, we someday. need to we need to write that down as as a project that uh, we need to do uh, immediately. Yeah, pretty high on the on the totem pole of things to do. Uh, anyway, that's a side sideline. Jess, it's been a while since you've been on the show. What have you been up to? It has been a while. Uh, I've been up to mostly boring things. I would say uh, getting getting settled in a new job, which is always stressful. Uh, I'm now at Fitbit, um, and yes, uh, I've heard everyone who has been wondering what's going to happen with the Pebble acquisition. Yeah, uh, I, I actually pestered her about this the other day yeah. uh, because I don't know if I, I don't remember if I went into this on the show, but I pre-ordered a Pebble Time Two, which was like the next evolution of the Pebble. It had a heart rate monitor, it had a color screen. The Pebble the, is a smartwatch. By it's the a way. smartwatch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it had had a color screen. The battery was supposed to last for like an entire week. It had all these mm. you know cool next generation features for that type of watch. And uh, the thing for me is that the Pebble Time 2 was smaller. They actually were able to release the Pebble 2 right before Pebble got destroyed and absorbed by Fitbit. And, well, parts of it anyway. The The whole company didn't get absorbed. Yeah, yeah, the company still exists. They, they took yeah. all the good bits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, fit, the fittest of... bits? 
You might say. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the other day I was like, hey, Jess, are they going to, you know, put out their own version of that? Because I want one. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I cannot comment on anything we may or may not be working on. So then I made her uh, express my anger towards her management team and like shaking her fist and being angry. Yeah. And then I, I, don't I know if she's walked around the office shaking my I walked around the office shaking my fist. I walked over to the Pebble group and <laughs> no, I, I didn't. But they <laughs> they are very much on the same the same wavelength, I would think. Um good. But yeah. Not the first person I've heard it from. Uh so uh wh- but anyway, yeah. What do you do at Fitbit? Are you allowed to say that? Oh yeah, I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. So I am a what's known as a product manager. Um, which is kind of chief cat herder extraordinaire bringing together the designers and the engineers and the QA people and basically putting out a product. Uh, so what I oversee is the entire out-of-box experience. So from when you pull a tracker out of the box to when you pair it with your app. And Wait, so and does that mean that when you get a Fitbit product, somebody comes to your house and tells you what to do with it? Yes, that's me. I come to your house oh and I'm my like, God. hi, hi, friend. Uh, I no, do not want that. one anymore. That sounds creepy <laughs> as hell. Uh, no, I'm just silently watching you through your, you know, data and what you're. Oh God, that's worse. Your, your phone. <laughs> no, uh, it, with like within the app. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm measuring and looking at you know what people are struggling struggling with with the current you know Bluetooth pairing to a phone and um, all of that jazz, and then coming up with with new experiences based on that but um, she is able to so monitor it very sounds like carefully. she's the nsa <laughs> no yeah. she she can monitor very carefully uh sudden rapid wrist gyrations which is an important <laughs> metric <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true uh, <laughs> we're deducting points because he's not yeah. running <laughs> not at an individual level but uh that would be ethically wrong but anyway um <laughs> I just imagine they've got it like this headquarters with like just giant screens everywhere. And they're like, oh, we got activity over here. That doesn't look like running. <laughs> Deduct points. <laughs> Take away from his step count. Oh, you're still burning calories, though. I, mean, I know, but they're not steps. <laughs> yeah. If you want to reach your step well, they're, goals. They're faps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah, there needs to be another scale. <laughs> Maybe there can be some sort of a conversion ratio. Actually, yeah. Now, I think we've worked for algorithms to, like, uh, filter out the fat factor. I don't know if it's 100% yet. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You heard it here first. (laughs) Faps don't count towards your step goal. (laughs) Fitbit knows. (laughs) Yeah, we'll mark that one as confirmed. Okay. (laughs) Will will the Fitbit then bug you uh, as often? Like, say, you know, uh, some of these things will bug you if you're not active long enough. Will they take yeah. masturbation into account? Like, oh, well, you know, not, so you haven't done many Fitbit steps, but you've been a little bit active. Yeah. No, not not so. So Fitbit, it's purely like step count. Um, but Maybe there you... is like active minutes, which counts when your heart rate is within like your ah. uh, peak exercising mode. Um, okay. Is, is that in also happen? Is that in one of your user stories, Scrum style? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's when I when I'm thinking of a new product, I do. No, I don't. But uh... <laughs> um, well, for me, uh, you'll recall last full episode of Nerdy Show, there was some some stuff we didn't talk about. I've been uh, regarding what I've been up to. Well, I've been on journeys of the body and also of the mind. 
Ooh. Oh. For starters, I went to um, Oak City Comic Con, the new. Oh yeah, how was that? The new spring version of North Carolina Comic Con, which happens in November. They've got a spring. That's in Durham, North Carolina. They got a spring show in Raleigh now, which is Oak City Comic Con, and it was great. To answer your question, um, wait, it was in Durham and it was called Oak City. No, no, no. It, this one, Oak City Comic Con, is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, it's in Raleigh. But it, but mm. why is it called Oak City yeah, if it's in it Raleigh City? City? Wait, what? I, I think that's that's like a nickname for Oak City, just like how Durham is Bull City or Bull Durham or something like that. I don't know. There's there's a st- statue of a bull. Aaron always kisses its testicles, and there's something about sports. I don't know. That's complicated. Huh. So so what you're saying is it's equivalent to if it was in New York and it was called Big Apple Con or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept that, I guess. But uh, not, I'll, if you're outside of North Carolina, we don't know this much about it to, <laughs> to, to make that call. Here's what I know about the Raleigh-Durham area. The people are nice. The food is good. The cons are awesome. Like, that's that's just fact. Mo- Moogfest, which is coming up in May, is also in, in Durham. But anyway, this show is in Raleigh, which I'd never been to before, actually. Um, th- all, both these towns are right next to each other, though. Very short drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was a fantastic show. They had IDW Comics there in force. The entire like editorial team was there. The co-founder and CEO, Ted Adams, was there. So that's a big presence for a first-year con, though it's really not a first-year con because it's just it's like the the part two of, I guess, the North Carolina Comic Con cycle. Now they've got two shows: a spring show, a winter show. That's what's up. Hopefully that isn't too confusing. I'm already a little bit confused. I am but, kind of confused. Yeah. I'm, but also I'm I was barely paying attention. So listening. so continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we're falling apart, we know or falling asleep, we know that the listeners might I, be. So I know. Oh, it's a it's a comic convention. That's what's okay. great about North Carolina Comic Con. Which <laughs> North Okay. North Carolina Comic Con is in November and it's in Durham. And now they have a new show, Oak City Comic Con, which is in March and is in Raleigh. That's, All right. Now that's I feel that. like we're just broken record. Okay. Like, so <laughs> the thing, great thing about what these shows fun? are that they are comic conventions. They're not pop culture conventions. You're not going to meet David Tennant there. You're going to go see comic creators. San Diego ta- Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> Mega Con. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's some vitriol in my in my lungs. So wait, um, <laughs> I don't understand. If David Tennant's not there, why would I want to go? Uh, be, maybe because you like comic books. <laughs> no. Well, then don't come. We don't oh, want you. Oh, good. <laughs> you can still cosplay your anime character, but you probably shouldn't... Uh, you probably shouldn't go to this con. You should probably uh, spend a lot of money on one of the big pop culture conventions. And I'd like to point out, there is nothing wrong with that. I just, in these days, when you have San Diego Comic Con, which is not at all a comic con anymore, it makes me really grateful for the shows that are comic cons. That's That makes point. sense, I guess. Yep, that's fair. <laughs> so um, I met Jeremy Whitley there. He uh, writes the, the new series, Unstoppable Wasp. He also has written a lot of... Uh, uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic comics. Uh, John Barber, I was very excited to meet. That guy writes back the Back to the Future comic that we've given like <laughs> nerdy show awards to in recent times uh, based on his incredible work. Uh, he, he writes that with Bob Gale, who created Back to the Future. Um, was, was he excited about the nerdy show rewards? Just curious. Well, he was unaware of them, but was very excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I think he, he may have retweeted us, but... Uh, but he was just like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> I guess he didn't look into it. But he was he was a great guy. We did a panel together because he also writes Transformers. And he's known as kind of like the cleanup artist for Transformers continuity. He makes it all work together. And IDW's done doing this event presently um, called Revolution where they're taking all the Hasbro properties that they you know make comics for, like 
uh, Mask and Rum and, well, not My Little Pony, but Transformers, uh, G.I. <laughs> Joe, and giving them a shared comic book universe. And they've been publishing these books for years independently and now have brought them all together in a really fascinating way that actually works. So I did a Transformers panel. I did a My Little Pony panel. I did a History of IDW panel where I had all the bigwigs talking about how they got started. And um, I also met Shelley Bond, who's uh, a really amazing figure in the history of comic books. She was editor at Vertigo practically since the inception. That's Vertigo Comics, the DC imprint responsible for Swamp Thing, Watchmen, Sandman, uh, all that jazz. Though um, really the... Watchmen was, I think it was released not through Vertigo. It became a Vertigo imprint later, but whatever. Basically, DC's mature reader books. So she's been with them forever. And recently, she was let go. I don't know why, but the good news is IDW snatched her up. And now she's later this year going to be launching a imprint through IDW called Black Crown. And it's going to be a creator-owned shared comic book universe that's kind of like what image did back in the day with like savage dragon and young blood and, and all that stuff except probably cool whereas those were cool with uh air quotes you know like <laughs> 90s extreme cool this will be like actual cool in the terms of indie comic creators these will it be days. k-o-o-l or just c-o-o-l mm. uh, uh i would say uh old school og image is k-o-o-l and this is actual cool okay yeah so um, she and I she and I had a great a great time because I emceed the the big dance at uh, Oak City Comic Con and uh, Shelly Bond and I bonded over dancing. We had we we danced we we danced a whole bunch. We brought it to the floor. It was a really good time. Uh, the whole show was a great time. I had dinner with Chris Sims and so you Chad- got, a, got a little swifty. Sounds I, like we got swifty. We shit yeah. directly on the ground. All right. Uh, in this case, the carpeted convention hall. Um, ballroom <laughs> i had dinner with chris sims and chad bowers um chris sims he's been on the show a number of times before uh he he and chad are, are writing partners they've done a lot of great work for marvel lately including x-men 92 the kind of funky uh fox kids cartoon era x-men book huh. sort of takes place outside of continuity uh there's a lot of so fun. the 92 is for 1992 yep okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is that is what it is it's imagine if you will that the the, the X Men cartoon show kept going and was not a cartoon show but a comic book, and then you get this comic book, which is a comedy book. They went pretty far into the X Men's future, though, didn't they? And I remember, yeah, they had like Cable and oh, sure, it was all there. I mean, it was all there, but it was the weird, ultra bombastic cartoon version of them. Okay, um, and those guys are putting out a book really soon, May thirtieth called Deadpool Bad Blood. It's an original graphic novel, and this thing has been... They've been working on it for a long time. It's drawn by Rob Liefeld, and uh, we all know I don't feel good about Rob Liefeld. Um, I don't like his art one bit. And... But this book, they show me things, things I can't really talk about, but this book is going to be amazing. And that's the first time, and probably only time, you'll ever hear me say that about a Rob Liefeld book. Because uh, I hate his art. But... (laughs) (laughs) But this... This book is was done in the Marvel style. So Rob Liefeld would draw whatever he wanted to, basically, and that left Chris and Chad needing to fill in the bubbles to make a cohesive story. And what they've done is fun and funny and awesome. And actually, if you like Rob Liefeld, it's respectful as well. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um I'm really excited to read it. I can't wait. 
and I'm shocked that I'm saying that about a Rob Liefeld book. Hmm. <laughs> um, one of the other the, <laughs> the other panel I did was the the Love Is Love Queer Comics panel because IDW put out the uh, comic anthology in partnership with DC Comics last year called Love Is Love, which gave to uh, uh, was a charity comic for the victims of the Pulse Massacre and their families. Um, so that was a very good thing and a very good panel that uh, hopefully uh, brought about some positive change. Uh, North Carolina, of course, what with their uh, draconian bathroom laws and all yeah, that. I was going to say that would be an interesting place to have yeah. a panel like that. Well, that's that's exactly that's exactly why North Carolina Comic Con and Heroes Con and Moogfest, all of which are in North Carolina, um, really put such an emphasis on that. Hmm. And uh, and why I'm I'm happy to be you know a part of it. And, I'm glad you were able to uh, walk away from that. <laughs> these these are these cities are safe spaces. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what the rest of North Carolina is like, but all all these cities, Charlotte, Raleigh, Durham. They're all um, amazing, amazing towns hmm. with, filled with like positive, creative, awesome people. So that's that. That's Oak City Comic Con. Uh, it's a great show. It's a small show, but packed with star power. And if you're in the area, you should totally check it out next year. Or go to the Durham show, where I'm also going to be doing a bunch of stuff. That's in November. But that's just the journey of the body. The journey yeah, of the I'm mind. more interested in this next part. It sounds very deep. So I was on Groupon trying to find some affordable uh, waxing coupons. And instead... Yeah, of course, like you do. Like I do. And I ended up uh, going Classic Alicia because there, were, there weren't a lot of body waxing coupons, but there sure were a lot of Brazilian uh, coupons. And uh, I had a morbid curiosity, so I explored that. But that's not the point of the story. <laughs> okay. That, that's, okay. That's adjacent. That's, a, that's, another, that's another story. If you're curious, I can tell you all about what that bizarre form of human beauty torture is like. That's not the point. When I was on Groupon, they showed me something. I saw this. I saw this pod. This pod filled with a liquid that was lit from the inside. I was like, "What the, heck, the fuck is that?" It said "Float Center," and I was like, "Float Center." God, that sounds stupid. Uh, what is it? So I'm, I'm reading it. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is this is an isolation tank. This is a sensory, dep- sensory deprivation chamber." I I I've always been fascinated by these things. I've seen them in uh, all kinds of pop culture dating back ages and ages. Uh, like like that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Lisa and Homer uh, both get put in these isolation tanks and Lisa hallucinates and uh, becomes Snowball briefly and becomes Homer and realizes she's been too hard on him and Homer's uh, pod gets repossessed and he actually goes on a physical journey that he mistakes <laughs> for a mental journey. <laughs> That's the episode Make Room for Lisa if you're looking it up. And there was an episode of Bonkers, the Disney uh, television show Bonkers, uh, episode called Stress to Kill where... Um, Lucky Pakel gets uh, locked in a sensory deprivation chamber during a uh, uh, on Friday during a three day weekend and uh, and gets trapped in there and regresses into a proto human state as a parody of the 1980 film Altered States directed by Ken Russell the guy who made Tommy which is a horror film that's like The Fly in 2001 A Space Odyssey but not as good as either but with amazing special effects. My mind is taking a journey right now. <laughs> And then, and then also, the probably the first place I ever saw an isolation tank in fiction is an issue of Batman. After Batman's back was bo- broken by Bane, he had himself replaced by Azrael, and Azrael took this dark path where he made this kind of robotic... Gargamel's cat? <laughs> uh, is that Gargamel's cat's name? Yeah. Oh. Cool. <laughs> Makes Gargamel cooler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's way better than Mad Cat. I mean, <laughs> so so he he goes in the sensory deprivation tank and dreams up these these bat claws that he's going to use to carve up criminals' faces. 
what it is is it's a it's a pod filled with water and you go in and have like this is my rough understanding of it as a as a kid have these sort of hallucinatory experiences brought about by a sort of fetal state of being in water and naked and floating mm-hmm. um but what it actually is is uh if that you you get put in this liquid salt basically it's it's medical grade epsom salts and they're warmed to the exact heat of the uh human skin so i learned about this on stranger things yes yeah well i was going to get to stranger things eventually <laughs> oh, okay um <laughs> if you've seen stranger things they put 11 in something that's like an isolation tank except in stranger things for i guess filmic purposes it's clear uh you can see it she's also wearing a helmet which is something they did way 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 back in the day early explorations into the science um, but yeah, similar thing. That's why they get all that salt and put it in the uh, swimming pool and, and all that. Um, cause she's going, she's going within herself and amplifying her psychic powers. So I want to hear if you got to the upside down. Um, well, see, oh, yeah. there's, there's a, there's a tendency to make this creepy because you lock yourself in a dark, soundless, lightless void and then hallucinate hypothetically. You don't necessarily hallucinate. Um, and it's not creepy. It's actually really, really nice and a really positive thing. So it's weird that among the most popular things about it are the horror film Altered States and now the horror show Stranger Things. Not mm. like either of those things. But it being in the state, being in this darkness, this soundlessness, it allows you to enter a theta state. That's the, the stage of, of brainwaves where it's uh, the early stages of dreams and deep relaxation. It's kind of like an idling state. Like if you're driving a car um, and you sort of zone out but you're still doing your job but you've gone somewhere else or if you're like in the shower and all of a sudden you have a great idea because you've been kind of spacing out fun fact i'm in this state 80 percent of my waking moments oh wow you should be really (laughs) relaxed then yeah (laughs) so uh it it opens that up essentially and i didn't know what to expect i'm always a tad bit skeptical of everything but i was eager to try it out and so in the past month i've done it twice at two different locations because it turns out there's a bunch of them in orlando and they all have groupons (laughs) 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 i mean how long do you go in for how Uh, long does it last well the ones i've done are uh 60 60 minutes um 90 is also a common number and one of the places was offering eight hours overnight what what yeah um don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but it is intriguing. Uh, it's also expensive. That's like two hundred. Yeah, I was going to say, how much is sleeping in one of those cost? <laughs> um, so it's it's pretty cool. The first time I, I I did it, I spent I don't know how much of it, but a significant portion of it trying to figure out how to get started because they like to not prescribe to you what to do. And that would have been my first question. What the fuck do I do when I get in there? Yeah, and then the answer is yeah. uh, you'll have to figure that out for yourself because it's your brain. So I had all the stray thoughts that one might experience when trying to like meditate or forget about stuff. And then I tried to target like a creative direction to go in and that wasn't working either. It was only when I really like somehow managed to subconsciously like really let go almost as though I was like going to sleep but not intending to do that. Um I hit something pretty fascinating. It was it was really great. It was like all those pseudo dreams that happen right as you're sl- slipping off to sleep. You you know you have it's a you 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 have kind of like thoughts and visions and narratives, maybe even sounds, and you don't really remember any of them. They're just a little brief moment of time in time that happens before you really like go lights out. It's like that suspended, 
and way, way, way more potent than what you would normally experience in going to sleep because it hits that point and then somehow sustains it. And huh. it, it's equivalent to, uh, it, it, you get a feeling kind of like zero gravity because it releases all muscle tension because it's so high salt, you're literally, you're floating, you're suspended, like your body doesn't sink, it's it's buoyant and all this salt. So um, you, it, it's, it allows you to achieve what, would be a high level of meditative practice without actually doing the work. Hmm. And there's lots of folks who prescribe doing drugs uh, during it, whether it's like, you know, eating a pot brownie or uh, some LSD. That's not my bag. Um, That's folks like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's a big proponent of sensory deprivation chambers in general and eating pot brownies before you go into them. You can do quite a lot without any of that to begin with. Um, these places that I've, there's, that I went to, there's one that's like a combination yoga studio and float center. There's one that's like a straight up ultra white person spa kind of joint. (laughs) They're, they're very different. Um, but none of them had like a, you know, sleazy, Hey, come here, do some drugs, hop in a tube for a while. Kind of like, well, as soon as you find one of those, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I'm kidding. I don't really do drugs. (laughs) This, it it was, it was really, (laughs) It, it was really cool. Um, if anyone's curious, I'd highly recommend uh, checking out to see if there's any places in your area because it was a, it was a fascinating time. Now, uh, the question I've always had about those chambers is they it's supposed to like be super quiet or whatever because it's obviously sensory deprivation by definition. You're not really aware of everything, I guess. Mm. But don't you hear water splishing around all the time? You do, um, but not all the time. No. You, I mean, if you... If you move, like make any sudden mo- motions, you will hear it. You will like feel the the drift for a little bit, but it'll also settle down. You just, you know, stop moving and settle huh. down. Have you ever heard of, um, there's a room, uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head where it is, uh, obviously because I didn't think to research this beforehand, but uh, there's a room that's incredibly soundproof to the point where you can hear absolutely no sound reflection whatsoever. And everybody who goes into it thinks that it's super creepy. Yeah, I have heard about this because as I understand it, and I, I don't have these notes in front of me either, as I understand it, uh, you can hear your own blood. Yeah. Um, oh. Like the room is so incredibly silent. Like you can't hear absolutely anything in this room. And as long as, I, I assume as long as you don't bring in some sort of a noise making thing. Yeah. Uh, but do you think that a room like that would be better or worse than this float tank. <laughs> well, as I've had that room described to me, people can't handle being in there for like more than a minute. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if if they made the conditions in that room ideal, like if if it was like the right temperature and you had a comfy enough like chair or place to lay down, do you think you could reach that level of consciousness in this completely sound-deprived room? Well, I think the darkness and the silence are important components, but they are not the be-all, end-all. What it's really about is the the floating, being feeling a, a sense of complete weightlessness, and um, the the temperature. I think those are the most important parts because that allows you to um, combine with the darkness and the relative silence. That allows you to to really just automatically slip inside your own head. Hmm. Okay. So the floating is important. Yeah, I think the floating is pretty important. Hmm. Okay. Maybe we could put a float pod in that room 
Well, that would be, I mean, then it would be guaranteed to be super silent. So hmm. it's probably a good move. All right. Well, that, that's interesting. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. So if, you know, if you, if you saw how, how expensive, things, how, how expensive is it for like, like you, you mentioned how much it was for the eight hour thing, but yeah, roughly how expensive is it for like a one hour? Like, um, well, if you're, if you're getting an, uh, introductory price on Groupon, it's about 20 to 25 bucks. Oh, okay. And Groupon's usually like half off roughly. Yeah. So, so it, it can get as much rates. as like 70 and so on. Like I, they're, but they're, but the trick is, is that like one times after you've <laughs> gone past these introductory rates are kind of pricey, but you'll ideally do it a number of times. And so you, there's like packages. That's kind of how they tend to sell them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you go in for like 20 minutes? Like, does it have to be an hour? I wouldn't recommend any less than an hour. And really, I'm thinking mm. I should go with 90 instead because you only feel, I don't know if you can ever truly feel like you've, like, like why would you want to leave this? Because you can get it. It's like, well, you, it, I mean, what if you got really relaxed and realized that you had to, you know, take a dump? Do you start knocking on the pod and like, hey, let me out of this well, thing? Well, you, you don't get locked in oh, for starters. That's, okay. that's just a contrivance yeah. of uh, bonkers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and in Simpsons when the lady puts a cinder block on Homer's tank. Um, so you can get out at any point in time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that, that that would be a thing. I guess we can get out the mix. I guess I just think of like, like I have anxiety. So like when I, before I fall asleep, it's like stressing out about everything that I have to do. And so, yeah, I don't know. I would say like this could be potentially, not to prescribe, but potentially, this could help with anxiety because it is hmm. so phenomenally relaxing. I mean, you come out and you feel like you've had a full night's rest hmm. and, and you've only been in there like an hour. And especially when you're just starting and just figuring out like how to, how to kind of get there. And this is me talking from having only done it twice. So, you know, there's, there's a, <laughs> take this all with a grain of salt, but um, it's important to have that time. 20 minutes would be enough to like just get started and then you'd be ripped right out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that is in a perpetual state of existential crisis. Yeah. So would I be able to find meaning for life in this thing? It's certainly not, you know, impossible, but that's a, that's a unique finding the the meaning of life is a, is something that each individual has to do for, for themselves. Mm. But um, lots of people, you know, use these as a way to focus on who they are as a person. Actually, I have a, a Joe Rogan quote that kind of kind of pertains to this. He says, I think it's one of the most incredible pieces of equipment for self-help and, and introspective thought that you could ever find. It's been one of the most important tools for me in personal growth for understanding myself, how I am, and what effect I do have on other people. Interesting. So... Uh, <laughs> I, we've talked quite a lot about this. We have pop culture to talk about. I've been going on about this shit, and we, boy, we don't even know what you've been up to yet. Oh yeah, well, I've I've been up to all kinds of stuff. Uh, I guess uh, I've been playing a game called Grim Dawn. Yeah, I I looked this up. I hadn't heard of it before. It looks like I want to say a more atmospheric Diablo. Yeah, it's um, I would I would say that it's somewhat like uh, Diablo three, only more advanced. I guess is is how I would put it. Um, the character customization is insane in this game. Uh, so if, if for some reason you're not familiar with Diablo three, it's like a, an RPG where you have like a, a top down, uh, 
isometric dungeon crawler type of a deal going on. And uh, Torchlight 2 is another game that I would compare this one to. Um, but again, Grim Dawn is like, it's like those games on crack because there's so, there's so much customization in your character. Uh, there's uh, several different classes you can be. And then at a certain point, like when you get to level 10, I believe you can choose a second class and start building like a weird hybrid character. Uh-huh. So, so it adds this level of complexity. So you can be like, uh, like a mage soldier or like a rogue mage or like a soldier oh, mage cool. or yeah. Like the amount of things that you can come up with are, are kind of insane. I think there's like nine different classes and then you can make a combination of any two of those. Yeah. And then to add another level of complexity onto it, there's like this whole astral alignment system where you have to pick out constellations that you derive power from and you can get uh, there's, like hundreds and hundreds of these stars that you can put points into after you find shrines and they unlock new abilities and like stats for your character. And I looked, I was like, man, this is really daunting. I'm going to look up or see if anybody has any guides on this. And all I found was just giant spreadsheets. (laughs) Oh my God. Really, really daunting spreadsheets that I was like, that makes it worse. I'm just going to randomly pick some shit. Um, but if you can get past how com- complex it is, it's a really fun game. Like the 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 gameplay, it's really similar to Diablo three. Once you start actually playing it, um, there's a few like minor differences, but you can tell that it was like directly uh, inspired by like, just by Diablo. looking at it. Oh yeah, totally. Like you know, it's got the same potions, and you activate spells in pretty much the same way, and like it plays very very similarly. But the the differences in like the customizability of of your characters uh, like the loot the loot is very similar and i actually think it looks better yeah uh like the graphics the, are definitely definitely better the environments are more exciting and interesting mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's definitely true and and with the giant amount of powers that you can uh use for your character and then combine with another class is uh is really cool so if diablo 3 is too easy for you i would say give grim dawn a try because it's it's got a little bit more depth to it uh and the reason i bought it is because it was 50 percent off on steam like i don't know last week or two weeks ago or something and i picked it up it was like 12 bucks Hmm. so it was definitely (laughs) worth that so i don't think it's probably on sale right now but if you put it on your steam wish list and uh, wait for a sale it's definitely worth uh, a little bit of money at least i don't know if, and, and if it's possible for you to buy it, it through amazon i'll link to it and you can fund nerdy show through your purchase that's true usually you can buy those things through amazon is it pc only uh yes um mm. yeah i actually did specifically look into that because i was like oh man i bet brandon would play this with me if uh if it was on ps4 but it's not so it's, it is pc only probably oh. because it's so in-depth like it would I don't know if it would translate to consoles. Well, I that did. Well. I did hear a complaint of Diablo Three is that it people felt it was somewhat dumbed down because of the cross-platform release. So this does seem like that might be a specific antidote for that complaint. But Diablo Three works so well on consoles. It does. It's do- it, it's glorious. Yeah, it's it's actually probably a better game on consoles than it is on PC. <laughs> I have I have heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, that, that's just, uh, what I've been spending my time with, uh, gaming, but I, I've got another project 
that you seemed a little bit interested in. Uh, where... Mostly because it baffles me. So please proceed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I what I told Cap what I was doing is I was building a computer that has six graphics cards in it, uh, and and it, it's been baffling to a lot of people around me because uh, I ordered all of these components and had them shipped to work. And so one day at work, I had four graphics cards sitting on my desk and somebody walked by and they're like, whoa, are you building like four computers? And I, Why do you have four <laughs> graphics cards? And I was like, well, I've got four of them because two of them didn't show up yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, whoa, what? <laughs> and, but, you, and they might ask then, what kind of games are you playing? And you would say, none. none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but the reason for that is that I'm, I'm putting all of these graphics cards into one, uh, mining rig, uh, that, that is going to be doing, uh, transaction processing basically is what mining is, uh, for a currency called Monero, which is kind of like Bitcoin. Have you heard of Bitcoin? I mean, I assume everybody's heard of Bitcoin since actual stores take it these days. It's It's a cryptocurrency. Yes, yes. Monero is also a cryptocurrency. Which means um, that it's own, generally used by cryptids like, you know, Bigfoot, the Jersey <laughs> Devil, <laughs> those kind of people. But they're, they're you know, they're going to have a seat at the United Nations someday. So anyway, proceed. But the original idea behind Bitcoin was that you were going to have this anonymous cash that you could use on the Internet and, and pay for things without having like a paper trail coming coming back to you. But what people are realizing uh, now is that uh, Bitcoin is not anywhere near as anonymous as originally thought. And a lot of people who are using Bitcoin to pay for unscrupulous things are starting to get busted for it because it is indeed traceable. And you can even tell who has what amount of money. Like you can't necessarily unmask who that person is, but you can see how big people's wallets are essentially. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On the Bitcoin network. And how is that possible since that's so counterintuitive to what they intended it to be? It has to do with uh, the, the way transactions are processed and, and, and things like that. Because what, what happens in these cryptocurrency networks is that the nodes uh, that process all the transactions have to agree uh, where the money is going and who has what. Um, but anyway, the way that Bitcoin was engineered is in a way where it's traceable back to people. So they, they've been able to bust up a, a couple of, I think, drug and or child porn rings uh-huh. because of this, which, I mean, I guess that's good that they're getting 
I mean, some of these activities. Kind of awkward things. You're like, good that it happened, but bad that it po- it pokes holes into the general security of everyone else. Exactly, and and that's where a lot of these new cryptocurrencies are popping up is because there's people are starting to realize that hey, maybe Bitcoin isn't the greatest thing ever uh, in regards to that. And uh, so new ones are popping up and I've done a bunch of research and I'm putting uh, my computing resources towards Monero. So so uh, it's, a, it's a horse you're backing and you had n- a number of horses to choose from. Yeah, there's a ton of them. There's, uh, there's Dash, there's um, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin. I was going to uh, ask about Dogecoin. The list goes, goes on and on. Hey, wait, Dogecoin still exists? Uh, I don't know if people actually use it anymore, Yeah, but I think Monero's like the, uh, as far as how many people are using it, I think it's like the seventh or eighth down the, down the line, but like between, uh, the ones above it, like as far as volume goes, it could easily slip up to like third or fourth. So question though. Yeah. You're, you're using graphics cards. Yes. To process data. Uh huh. Um, and are reaping a personal profit off of this hypothetically? Yeah, basically, uh, the computer that I'm going to be building is going to be um, processing a lot of uh, encryption, encrypted data. Uh-huh. And graphics cards are better at processing encrypted data than like a CPU, just because of the way that they handle information. Um, so having six of them in there is equivalent to well one graphics card uh, from the calculations that I've done is equivalent to about five or six CPUs depending on how fast your CPU is and how good of a graphics card you're using but way faster than than a CPU for these sort of operations so putting six of them in there um, and processing a ton of transactions it's only going to net me about uh, depending on the price of Monero at the time uh, somewhere between eight and eleven dollars a day give or take but that's with zero interaction from me. So I'm going to build this thing, kind of stick it in a corner, make sure that it's still working, and it's just going to kind of passively generate money by uh, whenever you make a transaction on the network, it, it costs a transaction fee. So you get a portion of that. And the more Monero usage grows, the more you make a day. Um, yeah, well, no. Uh, m- the more I make a day would depend on the price because it's like a, a traded currency. So right now one, one coin is equal to about uh, $20, $22, give or take. It's been kind of fluctuating a little bit. Uh-huh. But if the price of that were to go up, then it would be making more because... Huh. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, like Bitcoin used to be only worth like I think five bucks when it first started. Uh, yeah, or early sky, early on it's it's worth one thousand ninety three dollars per coin now so yeah um so yeah what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna try to get as many as i can uh and uh and and sit on them and hope well best of luck i'm really eager to see how this experiment pans out hey if it pans out really well uh i might make another another one or two or three and <laughs> and and make even more money uh or if it doesn't, then I've got a bunch of graphics cards to sell, and and you know maybe I'll sell them uh, sell them here. Cool, <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> who, who wants to use graphics card? <laughs> Top of the line. <laughs> um, we got that. We should take this opportunity to give some shout outs to the people who make Nerdy Show possible via their generous funds, either you know stimulated by uh, cryptocurrency or uh, cold hard American cash. I don't know. 
but uh, we have we actually have three new patrons this time around. We're we're coasting at a hundred patrons and just over a thousand dollars right now. Um, boy, you want to read us those names of the fine folks who have done us the most solid of solids? All right, our new patrons are Mike Fortman, Steampunk Panda, and Brianna Bennett. Thanks so much. Hopefully, I didn't screw up your names. That seems pretty and, straightforward. And thanks for thanks for joining us, helping us out. Yeah, Keep, keeping the lights on. Yeah, and they're all getting well, a plethora of different perks depending on what tier they're supporting at. A plethora of Patreon perks. A plethora of Patreon perks. What? Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, at at one dollar, you get access to a expansive archive of bonus content. At five dollars, you get access to a um, well, much advanced uh, cache of bonus content, including new stuff. Um, also, any tier gets you early releases of stuff when available. Uh, $10, you can also get shout-outs um, read on this episode. We got one coming up in just a moment. And access to the Nerdy Show Lounge. That's a, a Facebook group where all the hosts and the Patreon backers hang out. They argue. Of, yeah. No. <laughs> well, sometimes. We'll get into that momentarily. They're, 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 they're in good fun. Yeah. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then also there's, I mean, there's a lot of other perks, including a, a, a legitimate executive producer credits and uh, the capacity to, to have exclusive hangouts where we talk about whatever you want us to talk about for an hour a month. But anyhow, that's all on patreon.com slash nerdy show. And if you like this show or any of the shows in the Nerdy Show Network, you should definitely contribute because it does give to all of our programming. Makes it all not just pay the bills, but also helps stimulate all the respective shows on the network. So, I did mention a shout-out, and uh, Wolfboy, Wolfboy said this, I'm racking my brain trying to come up with something for all you to say, so I decided to let my auto-suggest come up with some sentences for you all. Enjoy! And here we go. I will be able to get the car part of the proud owner of the proud owner of all of them that are into that. I wasn't I to the mechanic because I have no major plans are to go to the intricacies of the world. My meal plans to go to the movies with my way to see. If I remember correctly, you are to go to CBT because I have no major plans for dinner since people on the line to the mechanic. Thank you, Wolf Boy. That was actually kind of interesting because you know <laughs> when you when you when you type sentences with that it uses phrases and words that you have recently used so I feel like we just gleaned a little bit of Wolfboy's life yeah. with that You're having I think you might be having car trouble yeah oh. yeah I think I think that might have been a recent thing <laughs> and his meal plans are to go to the movies to get overpriced hot dogs and still popcorn his favorite meal. <laughs> So yeah, well, boy, thank you so much. And remember, $10 backers, not a lot of you use this feature, but you totally can. And um, we're not reading it this time, but I'd also like to remind everybody that Jeffrey McSorley has a reoccurring shout-out. He decided one thing he wanted us to say, he can change it at any time, but one thing he wants us to say, and we say it once a month. So that's probably going to happen next episode. You've already heard it several times at this point. There's many ways you can contribute to Nerdy Show other than the ways I mentioned. For example, shopping on Amazon. Or if you want a money-free way to help us out, please rate and review us on iTunes. Those ratings and reviews help us pick up heat and gain a sort of greater market share of the podcasting universe on the uh, platform of iTunes, which is, though not everybody uses it, still one of the major platforms for 
acquiring and discovering podcasts. So it's a huge, huge help. And of course, any way you can spread the word, even if you just tell a friend, that's also great. Whatever you feel comfortable with, but do do support us because we're entirely listener supported. You can you can, you have the power to create and destroy, and uh, we're the casualties. So uh, help nerdy show survive. Thank you. But if they want to destroy, they're going to have to fight me. Yeah, I mean, you have to fight. You have to fight all of us. Come on, we're <laughs> not going to make it easy on you. <laughs> um. So, uh, last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about Zelda Breath of the Wild. We did. We spent a lot of time talking about it. I still haven't played it. Yeah. I've played a lot more of it. I traveled with it to Oak City Comic Con. It was one of the greatest video gaming experiences ever. How, how is the traveling with the Switch? Oh, it's... Yeah, you had a pretty sweet rig there. Yeah. Oh, I sure did. <laughs> well, I, I tried to get a carrying case um, before my trip, but I paid for one day delivery and it didn't work i did it was not one day so i made a pouch of bubble wrap and it i saw that it was pretty stylish duct tape and bubble wrap traveled just fine traveled like a dream but it was great though like i mean you know i've had portables gaming systems for a long time mostly various iterations of game boy advance or 3ds or classic game boy as well um though i started with game boy game boy color just for anybody following my personal narrative um (laughs) and hey i started with that too yeah pokemon (laughs) was it pokemon that did it uh, no, I actually I started with uh, Zelda. I saved up my babysitting mm. money and bought uh, see-through Game Boy Color with Zelda. It's a good choice. I played Link's Awakening at Sears. <laughs> oh, nice! I looked at Sears, but they didn't have the color I wanted, so I ended up buying at Target. <laughs> I started with the original Fat Game Boy that didn't have color, and you had to put a bunch of weird lights and yeah. giant battery packs. Yeah. My sister had that one, and it was like a, it was total jip because she didn't like video games, and so like she got it as a birthday present, and we're like, why did she get this? Wait, would she not wait, let yeah. you lose it even though use it even though she didn't care? Uh no, we would we would still use it, um, but it wasn't technically mine. Hmm. See, and I think that's why I never really got that into Pokemon is because I got mine earlier, so I had like I was playing like Tetris and Mario Land and. Stuff like that, and by the time Pokemon came out, I think, I think I might have moved on to like a Sega Nomad at that point. Ooh, <laughs> baller! Wow. Sega yeah. Nomad. Yeah. Wow. I, I'd have to check the years on that, but I think that was my next port- well portable system. I mean, if if you recall playing your Sega Genesis games on a gigantic handheld console with no battery <laughs> life, then then you was definitely playing the Sega Nomad. Oh, I definitely had one. I, I 100% know that because I, I thought it was the greatest thing ever at the time, even though, yeah, you couldn't really... I, I was always plugged into something because I, the battery life was basically non-existent on that thing. So, yeah, I plugged it in, and you could you could also plug it directly into a TV, too. So it was like a portable Genesis. Which is... That's kind of what the Switch is, and it was... Man, it was mm-hmm. fantastic because I've never, I've never had... You know, not having a, a PSP, I've never had anything with this kind of processing power for gameplay as a handheld and yeah and and i think what surprised me too is that it's still relevant and fun to play on a handheld like that's what i was really worried about was if you go to the smaller screen size does it get really stupid yeah and it absolutely doesn't it's the same game it feels do they scale the interface elements any different like so you can read things properly uh, that, that's what I was kind of worried about because it, it's a 720p screen on the thing. So I, I was worried about how readable text would be and stuff like that. When it's in your hands, it's fine. Um, when I was in the hotel room and had it on the little kickstand mm-hmm. playing it, there were times where I was like, 
this text is too small. But, you know, I just mm-hmm. lean in. No big. Okay, but it wasn't because the text was unclear. It's just because your eyes yeah. couldn't see it. Yeah. Okay. Just wasn't close. I was worried face. about the clarity. Yeah, no, it's totally legible. 100%. Oh, yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, granted, you got freaky eagle eyes. I so, do. I mean, maybe maybe it would be a problem for you. I, I, I really would not hazard to say because we all know how it's the a recurring theme went. that I'm very picky about text uh, resolution. <laughs> but really, I mean, really, the portable experience was absolutely phenomenal. Jess, you were you were playing it like waiting in line at a bank, right? No, I was waiting for a table. Okay, um, I, I went over yeah, somewhere. We, yeah, we were going for dim sum, and it was the weekend that. Uh, that I got the switch. And so I was like, well, obviously I'm going to take this with me because that's one of the selling points. And so, yeah, it was like an hour wait for dim sum. We ended up going and running an errand really quick. And then we came back and we were waiting for like 25 minutes and I just played Zelda while I waited. And it was really, really cool. Um, Dim sum good waiting experience. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) but still playing the game that you're playing at home is just so different um because like yeah i could always carry my 3ds with me and like play a different game other than what i'm playing but to kind of have that continuity continuity is really awesome unique i've hasn't happened to me before yeah and and now that it's been like two weeks in how do you feel about the game i mean just we really haven't got your thoughts at all we didn't you weren't on the last week's episode so oh yeah i mean i i love it i mean it's it's overwhelming but in a good way. I mean, I, I still am not very far in it. I still, I, I have over 50 hours in the game, um, but I still haven't unlocked every map point yet um, because I've just been pretty content exploring the areas that I'm in. Um, and there's just so, so much to explore and to look at. Um, and what I really like about it kind of just story-wise is if I was to be the hero of Hyrule and I'm like dumped into this situation, it's really nice to have the open world quality to it because that's kind of how you would be in that situation. Like, uh, well, fuck, I don't have any memories. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to run over here now. Uh, cause I saw a meteor crash and I'm going to go explore that shit. Like, um, it's, it's really fun. Um, the only thing that I would say is, again, in kind of that vein of your hero of Hyrule and you need to save, you know, the land. Um, I wish that there was a little bit more of a sense of urgency because uh, you could just keep playing forever and for months and months and months. And just from a storytelling angle, I think that's been feel- a problem of all Zelda, uh, most RPGs in general. Well, open yeah. world games. Yeah, open world open games. Open world games. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that is because like I could keep playing for a year and like you still talk to people and they're like, oh, the world's going to end soon. And you're like, well, I've been playing for a year and it's been fine. So I'm going to keep doing, you know, give me some more arrows. We're playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah, rupees. Exactly. <laughs> um, hey, hey uh, Jess, yeah. how, how many Korok seeds do you have? I have seven uh, and I've redeemed three uh, of the seeds. So, yeah. I have 80. <laughs> what? I have 80 and I've only I've only met the dude with the maracas who you cash them in with twice. Did you cash yeah, him outside? Yeah, and then he moves. Yeah. And then I haven't I haven't met him since he moved. Um But yeah, I mean I haven't really been doing too much with the 
like sometimes I notice like, oh, I should put a rock here and then a person will pop up. But like, I'm not like something I look for normally. It's made um, me OCD like in real life. I'm looking for like things that need arranging or like I, outside there's a big pile of leaves and I'm like, if I light that on fire, there'll be a rock underneath. <laughs> there's a little tree person yeah. in there. <laughs> 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 An arson uh, no, spree around actually, Orlando. <laughs> uh, there's actually uh, some, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the plant is, but they look like Hyrule herbs that grow uh, they have them like in our landscaping in our apartment complex. And every time I see them, I'm like, ah, Hyrule herbs. I'm going to pick some of those up. Half a heart. Thanks. Just don't smoke those Hyrule herbs. It's it's legal now in San Francisco. It's fine. Oh, okay. And really, you should be combining them with meat for maximum effect. Sure. Let's be practical here. Come on. You gotta, I have no idea you what you're talking about. the extra hearts then. I couldn't even buy a switch if I wanted to. So whatever. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the other the other experience we've had, which is that over this past weekend was the first Splatoon 2 global test fire. The game isn't coming out until sometime quarter 2 or 3, 2017. There's no date yet. But uh, just like they did with the first game, they are having these these events where over the duration of a few days, for an hour at a, at a time, you can sign on and play a bunch of matches. Or not. <laughs> yeah, or not if you're me, because... Uh, the servers won't let you connect to anything. Uh, yeah, so that they... was disappointing. I tried to play last night, uh, but and I think it was just a console issue, and I needed to do a hard reset. But I, at the time, was just like, "Oh, their servers are overloaded. I can't." It's a, it shows I'm connected to the internet, but I can't connect to Nintendo servers. I was having a DNS error. Um, Is there uh, going to be a lot of but, difference yeah. between Splatoon one and two that you, that we know of yet? Um, well, we can certainly talk about what we do know about as far yeah, as the differences. Yeah, got in. Yeah, you I, got to play. I did. Yeah, I got in. It was great. And uh, Jess, I'm so sorry you didn't get in because it was it was so lightning fast for me. Like the gameplay was, I mean, it's it's Splatoon again, but Splatoon yeah. the original game, which if you haven't played it, is a fantastic competitive uh, paintball game where you're a bunch of squid children, and the objective generally is to cover the world with colored ink um it's a ton of fun super simple to play and this actually improved on the first game um like and you were a big fan of the first I was game a big fan of it because it's it's a very like i, I sorry go ahead jess how is that i'm I was curious how the gameplay is without the second screen because i felt like in splatoon that was the first time that they really took advantage of the wii u having multiple screens and it was nice to have the map on your handheld is like kind of a strategic point. Uh, you press um, the X button and you get an overlay while the game is still going. It's not like a pause ah. button. And it's actually interesting because it's a touch interface that allows you to rapidly um, jump to anywhere one of your other teammates is at any point in time. Like just to, just as a, as a quick HUD, over there it is, boom. So they, I think it's not the same as what it was in the Wii U, but they managed to compress it in a way that was efficient. So your characters can teleport? Nice. Uh, you turn into a squid, you get inside the ink and launch, like a big kind of jump. Oh, okay. That's so weird. if someone's like further ahead on, say, the enemy side of the map, you can jump to where they are. Okay. Hmm. Um, as far as like differences go, there's a, a rolling mechanic now, so you can kind of like dodge a bit better this basically you couldn't really dodge before now you yeah can. um nice yeah 
there's uh, new specials, like a ton. They uh, they let everybody try out a new weapon called the Splat Duelies, which is basically like dual-wielding two Uzis. But in that case, the special weapon is they sort of turn into a um, uh, jetpack, like a hydro jetpack, the kind that people float over water with, um, but with ink. And you can bomb people from the sky for a little bit, and it's a ton of fun. I did that a lot in Mario nice. Sunshine. Yeah, just like Mario Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of my favorite things they're adding is local multiplayer Turf War. Because the only multiplayer available on the Wii U Splatoon was um, just sort of a, a one versus one, or it was probably, I think it was four player, but like it, it was only like kind of deathmatch. And this brings the core mode of the game into couch multiplayer. And they just, it was stupid it wasn't there before, and now they have it. Um, like I never felt that I could show, truly show somebody Splatoon and be able to play with them. And now I can. Like, this came up actually really recently. Hmm. Um, I was trying to show, mm-hmm. show a friend what was great about Splatoon and couldn't exactly without throwing them into online play. So I wonder if they're doing that also as an aspect because they're going to start charging for online access. So they're like, you have this option, this local option now. Uh, yes, absolutely. And it also probably factors into them wanting to launch Splatoon as an eSport. Oh, Yeah. Wait, how would that make it? I mean, wouldn't an eSport, wouldn't you want people to play online? Hypothetically, but I guess you have the ability to have a private match, Okay, essentially. I mean, you could do that anyway, but I'm not sure. You know, I don't really know all the applications. I don't really follow eSports, but it seems like there could be an application. Speaking of but applications... I mean, like, the, the current matching was, like, random, right? So, I mean, if you're playing an eSport, you would want it to be structured. Yeah, well, way, you can, you can have think. a friend's only match on the wii u version like that's the thing you can set up you can yeah make that happen. yeah um but they've streamlined that process via a forthcoming app that will quote enhance matchmaking and allow for voice chat options okay uh, i don't know i feel about voice chat but i've never been a much of a voice i mean if i'm playing with friends yeah but yeah if you're I playing with like friends it's great randos yeah random people yeah. are generally not fun to voice chat with yeah but if it if it's if it's you guys, then I really want it, and that's everything you know about Splatoon two. But and I still can't I, buy a Switch. Yeah, you still can't buy a Switch. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but we'll still link to where you can purchase it on Amazon, and maybe 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 it'll happen, and yeah. you'll fund nerdy show in the process. I, I keep occasionally checking. There's a stock checking website where you can see who has it in stock, and it, days and days will pass, and nobody will get any stock whatsoever on any yeah. website. It's pretty frustrating. I mean, launch day was insane. So, like, I launch day, I went out and I wanted to get the Zelda Deluxe Edition with the carrying case and the fold out map and uh, and stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'll just go to Target. I'll wake up early. I'll just grab the Deluxe Edition. Like, there'll be people waiting in line for the console, but like, hopefully, I can just sneak through with the game. Um, but no, that was not the way it was. And they're like, and we're, yeah, we're going to be sold out of games because at one point I was like, well, then. I understand if you want to give preference to the people in the line for the deluxe edition, but if I just want to buy a normal Legend of Zelda Switch game, can I just buy that? And they're like, no, we're going to be out by the time that this line is done. And I was like, what? It it was baffling. Yeah, me. I'm at the point where I, I want a Switch, but I'm not going to go out of my way or jump through any hoops for it, and I'm not going to pay some stupid scalper. So if I happen yeah, to no. run across one at a store, I will probably pick one up, but... The way that they're going, I don't know when that's going to happen. So, the the more and more I think about, it, the more this really does seem like a weird 
uh, as usual, poorly planned, kind of soft launch, though, because the system itself is completely lacking in, in features outside of the functionality of the hardware. The functionality of the hardware is primo, but the actual ability to do anything but play Zelda right now is... Yeah. Know, who gives a fuck? Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing. Is Part of me just wants to wait, too, but I went over that last time we talked about the Switch, <laughs> yeah. so... Yeah. I'll, I'll and I'm just happy that. with Zelda right now. I'm just happy with that. I can't even imagine having another game. Even even the thought of like embracing no, Splatoon yeah. 2, it's too soon. I can't handle it. Yep. <laughs> um, now, Jess, uh, you, you read a awesome comic recently that I don't know anything about called Gadflies. Yeah. So, um, well, it's Bounty. And so Gadflies are the um, oh, sorry. The group. I read the notes yeah. wrong. No, I, I wrote the notes down wrong. Ah. Um, yeah, that was my bad. Uh, but no, so it's from Dark Horse. Um, it's uh, the creator of Rat Queens. Um, and he's doing Curtis Weeb. a new... Yep, Curtis Weeb. And so it's a new series, or semi-new. So there's the volume one is coming out, which collects, collects issues one through five. Um, and I guess I'll just read the Dark Horse one because it's catchy and they spent a lot of time doing marketing for this. But uh, so the gadflies were the most wanted criminals in the galaxy, robbing corporations to redistribute wealth to the destitute. Now with a bounty to match the reputation, the gadflies are forced to abandon banditry for a career as bounty hunters. Because if you can't beat them, join them, then rob them blind. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like space opera Robin Hood. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. Um, just kind of in the the way that the characters are written and the way that they interact with each other. Um, it's kind of like Buffy-ish in terms of the ensemble cast. It's just very complex. Um, and I just really fell into it and read it like three times. Uh, wow. Before, yeah. Um, That's not normal. Then, <laughs> yeah, no. Because um, there was just so much to uncover, I felt, and like so much going on that I wanted to go back and like, catch up on like the little things that were happening um as they uh happened or occurred later in the story um so it moves at a very fast pace that's the other thing that i would say and kind of one of the downsides is you feel like you've been dumped into a story and at times you don't know what's happening um but it ends up being all told in the end which then i wanted then go back to read it to get that that feeling um but yeah, it was really good. I have a more detailed review coming out this week um, to go over it. You can buy it on March 28th, uh, which should be for sale when the episode comes out. Um, and I, I really recommend it. Cool. And uh, one one final thing, I guess, which is Iron Fist. Boar, you've oh, seen man. it. Yeah. And it's kind of controversial. It's turned into a controversial show. You mentioned sort of arguments on the Nerdy Show Lounge, and uh, there were some over whether it was good or not. Well, I don't even know if that I don't even know if that's where it went, but um let me just preface by saying that before Iron Fist came out, uh before it was released on Netflix, there were uh screeners sent out to some reviewers and they watched them and posted their opinions before anybody got to watch the show at all and the overwhelming majority of them seemed to say it was either the fight scenes were really crappy and or it was boring. Now, I don't know if they had the entire series or if they were just able to watch like the first couple episodes or what. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people went into this show wanting like just waiting to pick it apart 
because of these early reviews that came out. Um, at least, at least that's how I would explain it because I, I was getting into arguments with people in the lounge over whether or not it was a, a fun show, which it's my stance that I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a really fun show and it's actually, I would say behind Daredevil, it's my second favorite of the Netflix Marvel shows. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but the the main thing that I see that that people criticize it for are that the fight scenes are uh, either poorly edited or that the actor that played Danny Rand did not know how to fight properly, so uh, it was compensated for in various ways and or the fight scenes just looked a little derpy. But since I'm not a kung fu master myself, I didn't really notice this. And also because I grew up consuming content throughout the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s where <laughs> fight choreography hasn't always been the best, I'm a little bit forgiving when it comes to that if the story uh, is good enough. Are you telling me that the fight scenes in uh, Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules the Legendary <laughs> Journeys were not like top shelf uh, <laughs> MMA battles? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly my point is that I've grown up and I've said like, wow, this is one of my favorite shows to shows that did not have perfect fight choreography or even editing. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I didn't pay that much attention to to the fight scenes. And some people are I'm, I'm sure you're at home right now going, oh, God, weren't you paying attention at all? He fought like so horribly. Grr. I can just feel your your rage coming at me backwards through time to this recording. Um, <laughs> but I say unto you, it was a pretty good show anyway. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil it because I know that you haven't seen it. Jess hasn't seen it. And probably a ton of you out there haven't seen it. Uh, but, it, but it was a very enjoyable story. I thought I liked the characters. Um, the other thing that people were complaining about is that Danny Rand's character wasn't like some sort of Zen master, like he got too emotional and and things like that, but they explain why uh, in uh, the story. Well, with that complaint, I would say I understand you haven't read any Iron Fist comics. That's okay, but that's his character, guys. That's Danny Rand. Yeah, he he was very imperfect in very many ways, but they explained them all. If you stuck with it and watched the entire series, it's very very well explained. I thought and. I liked almost everything about it. Like there was a few times where my biggest complaint is uh, Claire, the nurse from yeah, Daredevil. Nurse. And, yeah. yeah, she she's the only real crossover character uh, other than uh, I guess Hogarth, uh, the lawyer from Jessica Jones, shows up mm. uh, also. But Claire is like the biggest crossover character for, and, for all of these and, series. And she's, yeah. yeah, and she's involved in a lot of the conflict with the main characters of this series as well. So there were several times where they were about to like, Oh, we got to go fight these dudes and, and it's going to be really horrible and tough for us to do that. And I'm like, Claire, call Matt, call Jessica. They're up the street. They don't live far from here. They have common enemies. Why are you not calling Matt? I thought this was a shared universe, Claire. Yeah, exactly. Like they're fighting the hand. Why would Matt not want to be involved? It it really it really. Uh, I and, mean that and, that and is frustrating. This this isn't a spoiler because it's in the fr flipping trailer. 
But Madame Gao is one of the the major players yeah. in in this series from Daredevil. From Daredevil, and and the reason that I say that it's in the trailer is because they treat it in the show like it's some sort of major reveal. <laughs> Like, like she hides in the shadows for like several episodes. And then like when she steps out, like really dramatically into the light, you're, you're supposed to be like, oh my God, it's Madame Gao, but she's in the trailer. We know that she's in the series. Oh God. Okay. So those were my only real complaints, but that's just sort of like them not using narrative points that they could have, I guess, and wanting to keep the conflict a little bit. I want to ask, is Luke Cage not in the show at all? Not at all. There, that makes no sense. That's such a goddamn waste. Yeah, like, that is... Didn't yeah, you, that is uh, I, yeah. you haven't seen Luke Cage, so I can't... I haven't. I'm, okay. I'm so behind, but... I, if you'd seen Luke Cage, that would be explained. There's a reason that he's not in this. I just hope that's they, why. They that's why I was screaming... Why, split. That's why I was screaming, why didn't he call Matt or Jessica? Because okay. those two could have easily intervened and uh they do reference all of them at one point or another so daredevil is mentioned uh jessica jones uh one of the characters actually said that they used her as a private investigator at some point uh-huh and uh yeah luke, luke cage is definitely referenced a couple of times i'm not going to give away how they do it but uh yeah hmm. all right all right well i, I can't wait but to i see can, it. but i can definitely say that luke cage his absence is explained. The rest okay. of them, not so much. <laughs> I've got I've got a lot of catching up to do. I mean, especially with me traveling. Like I'm I'm behind on Legion. I only just finished the season of Star Wars Rebels. Um, we'll talk more about that on State of the Empire, which is coming back soon. Inadvertent hiatus, but <laughs> it was a busy early year. Uh, hopefully, you can cut us some slack. We're 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 just jonesing to talk about more Star Wars stuff. Um, and I mean, there's so, so many shows. There's so much, so much to do. Um, but yeah. I guess. We should probably call it because we're we're most definitely at at our usual roundabout uh, an hour and twenty minutes sort of time here. So covered a lot of ground. We did. We we, we did. Hmm. Um. And if you want to talk more about any of this, you you listening person, you know where to find us. Comment on this episode's page. Reach out to us on Facebook. Go to our subreddit. Subreddit. Reddit dot com slash r slash nerdy show. We you can comment on this episode's page there. We'll mm. interact with you if if we if we want to if we deem thee worthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you if you direct a question at us, we'll definitely answer it. And that same goes for the Nerdy Show forums, whichever whichever platform you like, whatever makes you feel good inside. Taking us out is a track for you, Jess. Um, Ooh! Since you're our resident Mooney, I didn't even know you were going to mention Sailor Moon this episode, but you did. I was going to ask <laughs> if that had anything to do with Sailor Moon and pirates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, it, it, this is there an episode that I haven't mentioned Sailor Moon? I feel like it's just a common thing that I in my life. <laughs> I, I mean, in some the, way, shape, or form. <laughs> the odds were in my favor. <laughs> uh, we recently added a new group in rotation on Nerdy FM, our streaming nerd music service at Nerdy.fm and uh, Apple and Android apps. The group is called The Library Bards. They do pop culture parodies, and the two members are both from nerdy reality shows. Bonnie Gordon was on The Quest, and she voices our Mika in Street Fighter V. That's the girl with the huge knockers. Um, (laughs) uh, You probably know who I'm talking about, because goddamn. Is there only one? uh, I mean, this one especially. Like, it's... It was somebody's, like special priority fetish to create this character okay um uh and xander um hmm, french name generay 
perhaps. Uh, he was on King of the Nerds. So they got together um, from completely unrelated reality television shows and formed a band. This track is called Moon Prism Power, and it's a parody of pop star slash actor Becky G's 2014 summertime jam, Shower. But it's about Sailor Moon now. Um, Becky G, by the way, uh, I didn't I didn't realize this. Uh, she plays Trini in the new Power Rangers movie. Um, and Tree? Trini. Trini? Trini? Is that her name? I don't know. The Yellow Ranger. I, don't know. I, don't know. I wasn't a Power Rangers kid. Yeah, I think we've all established we weren't really Power Ranger. I watched the first season and then dropped off after the whole White Ranger thing. I thought it, you know, it had some 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 energy and then it petered out. But anyway, uh, that's just me. There's lots of Power Rangers fans here. <laughs> so she plays Trini in Power Rangers. Um, and interesting thing that I also didn't know is that in the film, Trini has the distinction of being the first gay character in the franchise, which is pretty cool. But anyway... <laughs> This song comes from Library Bard's first full-length record, Bardcore, which just came out this month. We'll link to it on this episode's page, or you can hear their tracks along with thousands of other awesome nerd artists at nerdy.fm. This is Moon Prism Power. When I'm out on a daily adventure, running late plus starting without me, anytime someone mentioned a game, out I'm heading with or without you. Why might be a word to describe me All I know is that the stakes are high With my friends who are here all around me Using powers from the sky Shoes are fighting when you're in bed When you wake up, you'll, you'll think you're again With other scouts, this world's on the fence Exactly why I light up from inside Like the 4th of July Whenever I scream loud Those three words I can shout I always seem to pose Don't need tuxedos, rose
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.